0: After a lifetime of blindly following fundamentalist religion and toxic wellness culture, Lindsay Lockett was down at the bottom of her barrel as a young mother and tried to commit suicide, luckily was saved by her husband. And the result of that was her choice, her first choice for herself to check herself in to a mental hospital and face herself and start making decisions. This episode is all about how you get out of binary thinking and how you start the path to becoming sovereign. Lindsay very graciously is sharing her story of how she overcame all that trauma to trust herself. Join us to find out more. Soul Nectar Show,
1: the Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted, who you are anything is possible if you believe to so join us on this beautiful journey soul after show
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that, which is bigger than us, to the big mystery beyond the veil, to those little synchronistic breadcrumbs that lead you to a new realization, a new understanding of yourself beyond what you thought you were. And that only happens when you're willing to let go of all that you think you know and step into a whole new potential, a whole new possibility in your life. And I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. I did that years ago. I stepped out of the conventional model that I was living in. I was living in a 20-year relationship. I thought I knew who I was. And I thought I was very convinced of my worldview based on my upbringing and my, you know, my conventions and the world around me. And then it just kept, wasn't getting better. Like just something, some sense of extreme sadness and dissatisfaction just kept growing and growing and growing within me. And I wouldn't stop. And at some point, it got to the place where I really literally wanted to die. I didn't want to be here anymore. And when it came to that place, I was a mother with two small children. So what am I going to do? Am I going to leave the planet? Or am I going to actually open up to another possibility? And so my choice was, you know what? I got to be committed to my kids. So I've got to leave what's not working behind and find something new. And then I saw this vision, My one of my first visions from the Great Spirit of the end of the rope. I actually literally saw an end of the rope and there it goes. Like, that's the end of the rope, Carrie. No more of this. You can't continue this way. You've got to follow me. That's the end of that chapter. I felt like this resonance through my whole body and I was like, okay, that's that. I just knew it like I knew it like I knew it. I walked out, and within six months, I met a shamanic healer, and I began a journey of healing. And I healed at all levels. So I want to say to people who are like, "Well, you're just doing energy medicine. Da 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 da." That's like not the solution for everything. That's not true. I actually work on the body. I work on my my gut health, my microbiome. I eliminate diet things like sugar from my diet, gluten, grains, other things. I take supplements to support my mitochondrial function in my body. I, you know, I exercise, I drink water, I diet, and I also do energy medicine. And I also face my my inner healing and I listen to my emotions and I do my inner navigation. And that's like a holistic, that's what holistic really means. Holistic doesn't necessarily mean that plus some pharmaceuticals. You know, that's not exactly what that means. That means that you're going to find your total body solution mind, body, spirit, emotion. That's what you're going to find. And today's guest is really an expert in this. That's why I'm really excited to have Lindsay Lockett on the show. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi. Thanks for having me, Carrie. So glad you're here. So, Lindsay Lockett is the host of the Holistic Trauma Healing Podcast. I'm also on Worst Trading Podcast, so you can find me over there. And I want to tell you a little bit about Lindsay. So, after Leaving behind the dogmas of fundamentalist religion and toxic wellness culture, Lindsay experienced her own dark night of the soul. During the healing journey that followed, she realized that trauma affects us as whole people, and therefore we need to heal as whole people. Although Lindsay has benefited tremendously from therapy and psychiatry, these modalities never truly, totally resonated with her because she found that they forced her to fragment herself rather than heal holistically. And so that's why she set out to create an affordable and accessible approach that integrates the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and ancestral parts of our being. Because yeah, that ancestry part is real too. So really excited um, to share Lindsay's message with you today. We're going to have a great conversation, you know, a timely conversation because Out in the collective, there's a whole lot of people sort of at the precipice of that big decision that you and I each made in our life's journeys. We each got to that place where we had to step out of what everyone else was saying, and we had to tune in what was true for us and follow that, even if nobody else agreed with us. And so tell us about your journey to that sovereign decision.
1: That's such a really good opening question. I don't know how to answer it without sharing my whole life story. So I will try to keep it very brief and give you the notes. So as you read in my bio, I was raised in fundamentalist Christianity, um, beginning from a very young age. And Christianity taught me, brainwashed me to outsource my goodness, my worth my beliefs. I also was raised in a very abusive household. And so I became a people pleaser. I developed a really hardcore fawn trauma response, which is the trauma response of changing and modifying yourself to fit in and avoid conflict. I was parenting my own parents. So a lot of codependency, a lot of, you know, ingrained trauma responses, uh, an ego that became very fearful, very controlling. I'm actually still dealing with control issues to this day. Like that is still a big thing that I'm healing from is my my ego's need to hold on and control things. And for me, things kind of climaxed in late 2018. I had had this lifetime of, of trauma and I had been to therapy and I had done EMDR and all of that. And I had some really good results from that, but it just didn't... It didn't get deep enough. It was more of a surface level kind of a a healing. And I'm grateful for the relief that I experienced from EMDR, but it wasn't enough and it wasn't something that I could sustain on my own. And so in late 2018, I began having some really mysterious pelvic issues. Um, My issues were like chronic pelvic pain, bloating, the symptoms of a urinary tract infection, but my urine would never culture an infection. So I didn't actually have an infection And my world just began to fall apart. I started losing sleep. I was having panic attacks all the time. There was so much adrenaline going through my body that I was losing weight faster than I could keep it on. And even though I never quit eating less, I actually started eating more. I started losing more and more weight. I lost about 25 pounds in like eight weeks. It was really... I felt like I was shriveling up and dying, to be honest. And I began to have suicidal thoughts, not because I didn't love my children or my husband, not because I had a bad life. I don't, I actually have a really good life, but I couldn't see myself living a full and beautiful rich life again. Like I just, I really did feel like a victim to my circumstances and my physical body. And I just didn't see a way out. And so on March 7th, 2019, I actually did attempt suicide By walking out into frigid temperatures wearing minimal clothing, my plan was to freeze to death and my husband caught me, brought me back inside. Um, Three days later, I checked myself into inpatient mental health care. I stayed in the hospital for five days. And that choice, that choice, people ask me, you know, sometimes people don't have like a moment. Sometimes it's a series of decisions. For me, it was a moment. The day I checked myself into the hospital was the first time i had ever taken responsibility for myself in my life. And my husband did not want me to go to the hospital. We did not have health insurance. I had no way to pay for it. It was, it really was me just saying, you know, look, if, if I'm going to heal, if you're going to make me live, if you're not going to let me go kill myself, then I have to do this thing for myself. I knew I was going in for pharmaceuticals. I knew I wasn't coming out without them. I was terrified to go in. You know, the only, the only thing I had in my head for what being in a mental hospital looked like is what hollywood shows us and so there was a lot of unknown i was really terrified about that especially as a control freak i like to have a plan i want to know what's going to happen who's going to be there how long is it going to last what's it going to cost like you know and do i get to be gluten and dairy free while i'm here which of course in the hospital is a big no so <laughs> um anyway 5 days later i checked myself out of the hospital and i really just began the journey that I'm still on of putting myself back together, excavating trauma that was was really deep. I knew that it wasn't just this physical illness that put me in a suicidal place. it was this physical illness on top of the shit I experienced in my childhood, the religious trauma, the getting married too young, having babies too young, living in a, a religion that was patriarchal and told me as a woman that I needed to submit and be quiet, believing that my body was bad, that my sexuality was wrong just completely out of touch with my body, always living in my head. And I I just began that very difficult, but also necessary journey to free myself from this way that I was living. I couldn't go back. There was no choice. I didn't have a choice. I was either going to die or I had to figure out how to heal. And so as you read in my bio, like therapy was good. I appreciate therapy. I have a lot of respect for therapists. I'm so grateful for my psychiatrist and for the psychiatric medicines that I was taking. However for me, it didn't address it holistically. And for me, psychiatric medications were really beneficial for helping to get my symptoms of anxiety and panic and insomnia under control. But it was like a false, you know, it was like a faux regulated nervous system. It it wasn't actually regulating my nervous system. It was giving me windows of time in which my nervous system was more regulated. However, by taking advantage of those windows, I was able to slowly but surely teach myself how to regulate my nervous system on my own. And I slowly weaned myself off of the medications. I'm now on no psychiatric medications whatsoever. And I have been holistically healing myself ever since, which means I'm addressing physical issues. Um, I'm addressing my emotions instead of living in my head. I'm actually feeling my feelings now. I'm addressing my you know the mental health aspect of it because there's definitely limiting beliefs and, and mindset and all of that that we have to address. I've had a spiritual awakening or actually a few spiritual awakenings during this process. So I'm definitely addressing my spiritual health and then also my ancestral health because those are the things that make us up as whole beings. I sort of get a little bit annoyed whenever people are like, yeah, it's mind, body, spirit. I'm like, no, actually it's mind, body, spirit, emotions, and ancestry. Like that's what we are as whole people. Let's address that, not just the mind, body, spirit, because there's some shit in my life that other members of my family have dealt with that's getting carried on. And I want it to stop with me. You know, like I want to end those things with me. So that means I have to actually address some of the skeletons in the family closet, you know? So um, yeah. Did that answer your question? That was,
0: <laughs> that was like a, a nutshell of gorgeousness. I mean, oh, great. Yeah. I love it. Like everything you just said, because I can say that I have walked in my own journey, very similar steps um, without the actual like going into the checking myself in or anything like that. But yeah, I, it's a dark, you know, I, I just find it's like... It's like, almost like there is a gaping hole inside that can't be filled. And really for me, that decision was for to come home to myself, Mm -hmm. to finally say, no more, I'm not living for other people. I'm going to live for me and I'm going to find myself and I'm going to find what's true for myself. And then I'm going to hold that truth. And then I'm going to speak that truth. And then I'm gonna learn how to speak it better because you know there's a journey of speaking it, right? Because we're still, you know, I was still in the matrix of like victim, rescuer, perpetrator. Like I wanted to blame everybody else for my stuff, right? So there's like this this like process of walking towards like this clean, integra space where I'm 100% responsible for me and my choices and I allow other people to be 100% responsible for them and their choices. And it's kind of like if I'm driving on the freeway, I see you on your lane and I'm waving to you, but I'm not gonna cross over into your lane and start telling you like how you're driving your car. I'm gonna stay in my lane in my car and drive my car and just like know that, you're being held in your car just fine. I'm being held in my car just fine. And like my sense now, and I'm going to ask your, you know, your intake on this is that from a spiritual perspective or from like an embodied perspective, I just keep getting bigger and bigger hits that this earth plane doesn't work the same for everybody. Like not everybody has the same experience And we all have extremely unique experiences. And so we can't make, start making assumptions that like, just because we're having an experience that other people are also gonna have it or like like the COVID, right? Like just because one person has a big challenge with it doesn't mean that everybody else is also gonna be threatened in that way. And that, I think that's the biggest part about this, this 2020 that has been so frustrating for people because they have this idea and I used to have this idea too, that there's one reality shared by every single person. And what I think you're saying and what I'm definitely saying is that does, I haven't found that to be true in my journey
1: no i definitely have not found that to be true in my journey either um everyone's experiences are different and until i had a spiritual awakening I very much lived in that sort of victim consciousness space of like, oh, bad things happen to me. Bad things are always happening to me. This is just the way my life is. Like, I drew the short straw, you know, like that was sort of how I felt about my life. So bad things happened. And when bad things happened, I wasn't surprised because I expected bad things to happen. So moving out of that victim consciousness was really integral into reclaiming that power and that sovereignty and that responsibility that I have for myself. And So now like what I like to share with people and some people this really resonates with them and some people it doesn't is it was so freeing for me to actually learn about my soul and how my soul has lived many lifetimes before this one and it will live many lifetimes after this life. But each lifetime, my soul chose to be in that lifetime. Like it wasn't a mistake My soul chose whatever physical body I had. It chose my parents, which means it chose my ancestry. It chose where it was going to incarnate on the physical plane, so geographically on the planet. And it chose the time period that it was going to incarnate in. And every single time there were people that I had soul contracts with that had to be fulfilled. There was karma that had to be worked out. There was all this this stuff, right, that's for, that is everyone's soul's experience, but everyone's experience is still different. And so some of my lifetimes have been easier and some of my lifetimes have been harder, as I'm sure is the case for for you and for everyone else. And it was actually really freeing for me to be like, oh, it's not that bad things always happen. I'm not actually a victim of my life. I'm not actually... It doesn't serve a purpose for me to live expecting that bad things are always going to happen because then that's the energy I'm putting out there. So of course, that's what's coming to me. So as far as experiences, I completely agree with what you're saying. And I would even extend that into the healing modalities that we have. I was actually on a walk in the woods um, the other day, and I have a magical little wood space over here that I often receive downloads from spirit, source, universe, whatever you call it. And the universe was very clear and it was like holistic trauma healing, which is the name of my podcast and the name of my work is a frequency. It's a consciousness. And there are millions of people who have incarnated at this time on the, on the planet. And they also have messages of healing. So it's not that holistic trauma healing is unique or special in any way. It's just its own frequency. It's its own consciousness. And it's going to draw people to it who resonate with that frequency. And then there are other people like you, Carrie, and other you know other people like you know famous authors that we know, little people on Instagram that we don't know. Like we're everywhere because this awakening has to happen. And so the universe was like, I can't just send one or two people, you know, in at this time in history. I got to send a lot. I got to send people in all walks of life. I've, we've got to send people of different ages, of different. Backgrounds, different traumas, different families, like they've gotta be on Instagram, they've gotta be in leadership, they've gotta be in government, they've gotta be in healing spaces, like they've gotta be everywhere because this message of of awakening and healing and not being victim to our lives or our circumstances and and up-leveling and allowing consciousness and awareness to flow through us and manifest as pure love and pure compassion for other people, like that is what has to get out right now. And so whoever follows me, whoever signs up for my program, Whoever does that, that's because they resonate with my frequency. Whoever is following you, whoever's doing your stuff, that's who's resonating with your frequency. You and I are not in competition against each other. I'm not trying to get your clients. You're not trying to get mine. We're not trying to steal, you know, clients from people who write New York Times best-selling books. There's so many people that are spreading the same message. And we are attracting people who resonate with us. So I think the experience of everyone is different. And I also think the healing that people are attracted to or that's meant for them in this lifetime is also different. And that's why there's so many different people doing this because it has to get out there. We are literally on the like tipping point of our ourselves as a species, right? Like we cannot continue to live and behave and think and act in the same ways that we have been or we're literally going to kill each other and we're gonna go extinct. And so there's millions of us and you and I are just two of those millions of people who are on the planet, just trying to get people to come home to themselves, to take responsibility for themselves, to think for themselves, to heal themselves. And yeah, so everyone's experience is different. And also whatever resonates with you for healing is gonna be different too. And that's okay.
0: Yeah, and that's okay. And it's interesting how challenging the dialogue, right? Like challenging the mainstream belief system Yeah, is the sort of like groupthink. It's it's groupthink. Mm-hmm. It's basically mm-hmm. challenging groupthink. It's saying, you know what? There might be another perspective here to be heard. And we know there is because we all know each other <laughs> so We've all heard each other, we've been on each other's podcasts, we know there's millions of us, right? So yeah. we actually have a different perspective and it's not being reflected or listened to right now. Yeah. And all we're suggesting is, you know, if you if you want to say oh, I, be, I believe in science, then okay, let's talk about that actually because there's like intention with any scientific experiment as well, right? Like I see so much bandied about on media. Well, I have this expert saying this. Well, my expert says this. Well, this scientific paper says this. Well, that scientific paper says that. Well, I can give you this proof. Well, I can give you that proof. And, you know, that actually is revealing something really, really important, which is what getting back to what you were talking about at the beginning. On your own life journey, you believed that you were shameful, bad and broken because your Christian religion told you That if you were in a woman's body, your job was to shut up and be property of a man, right? And not to have any rights and not have your sexuality and not be embodied and not make choices for yourself, right? So you were Mm -hmm. taught that. So when you were living your life, you were living from that untrue for you space that almost killed you. Yeah. Until you decided to wake up, challenge that fear that you had of going against the system, challenge that fear you had of going against your family, going against everything you ever learned up until then, to become the person that you actually are. yeah. And we're at that collective moment now where people are being invited to step out of the group think and to actually, you know, it's like learn about certain things like the reticular activating system. I'm sure you know a lot about mm-hmm. that. Do you want to dive into
1: that now? <laughs> the reticular activating system, that's where confirmation bias comes from. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. Co- like, let's talk about that and cognitive dissonance.
1: Yeah, so it's so funny that you bring this up. So back in June of 2021, I actually released a course called Belief Beyond the Binary. And that was like my gift to the world or or my way of being like, hey, all of this binary, everything is right or wrong, black or white, good or bad, healthy or unhealthy. Like all of this is not serving a purpose anymore. And actually like the only thing that is binary is life and death. That's the only thing that's binary. You're either alive or you're not alive. Our nervous systems, their only job is to keep us alive, right? So our nervous systems are binary nervous systems. Now, that serves a purpose when you're like in the woods and there's a tiger sneaking up behind you. And you're like, shit, I got to either figure out how to run away from this tiger or I got to stand up and fight this tiger. It serves a great purpose. But that binary doesn't really exist in very much more of our lives. And I don't know about you, Carrie, but I don't think that any of your listeners are actually literally being chased by tigers. So it's not serving a purpose anymore to behave in normal life situations as if you're being chased by a tiger. That very black and white, oh my God, this is life and death, right? Like your job probably is not life or death. Your friendships are not life and death. Like the content you're consuming on social media is not life and death. I would even go so far as to say that COVID is not life or death. Like There is a lot of nuance and a lot of complexity. Racism is not life and death. um, Not really. There's a lot of complexity and nuance with racism with all social activism. So to get to the reticular activating system, it's actually more efficient for your brain because your brain wants to conserve energy, right? It takes a lot of energy for your brain to sit with, multiple possibilities, multiple perspectives, like that's a lot for your brain to sit with from an energetic perspective. And I'm not talking like spiritual energy, I'm talking like actual physical energy, like it takes calories and fat and stuff like that for your brain to process information. So it's more efficient for your brain to just be able to be like, oh, this is easy. It's either right or it's wrong. Like, these are the only two decisions that I have. This is the perspective. And it's the reticular activating system in the brain that sort of helps with that because not only are you saving energy by defaulting to, oh, it's just black or white. It's just right or wrong. It's good and bad. Like that's, you know, it's easy, whatever, straightforward. So not only are you saving energy that way, but because anything that challenges your sense of certainty which certainty isn't real anyway, like, spoiler alert to anyone listening, certainty is actually a myth. It's not real. But the ego likes certainty. So it likes to pretend like it's certain about things. So in the reticular activating system, like, you can't entertain or you don't have the space for ideas and perspectives that don't already align with what you believe to be true. And we see this like playing out on our social media feeds all the time. So I think that social media algorithms have actually figured out how to tap into the reticular activating system, which is why most of the time our feeds are simply reflections or echo chambers of what we already believe. So then whenever the like one-off thing comes into our feeds that we completely disagree with, that we don't believe at all our brains are already lazy. They're lazy because they're seeing everything in black and white. And when your social media feed confirms everything that you already believe, then when you have this like one-off thing that doesn't confirm what you believe anymore, all of a sudden it feels like a threat to your body. And you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Who does this person think they are? Where do they get off saying that? I want to see a source on this. Like, oh, I'm going to drop in and I'm going to leave them a really shaming comment or I'm going to send them a DM and tell them what an asshole they are or whatever. And and really, it's... Drive by beca- shaming. Yeah, yeah. Total drive by shaming. And really, it's all because it has nothing to do with them. It has nothing to do with your feed. It has everything to do with how your reticular activating system is simply looking to confirm what it already knows because that's what makes you feel safe. That's what makes your nervous system feel safe so that it doesn't feel like it has to run from the tiger or fight the tiger. It just likes to be safe in what it already believes. And so anything that challenges that literally feels like you're being chased or attacked by a tiger.
0: Yeah, and you know, I was actually grappling with this this exact point because over the last week um I have been guided by spirit to be posting some more provocative things that sort of um, challenge the energetics and get things loosened up because I'm an expert at unstucking stuck energy. That's what I do. I unstuck it. And I do it with a lot of love and compassion. And sometimes it's a lot for me to hold because the debate that comes into the feed that usually sparks debate on my feed is a lot to manage. You know, it's like, you gotta like be present with that and really patient and loving and kind while people are saying pretty, you know, doing drive-by shaming and saying some really awful stuff. But the reason why, um, and I was also called to like put some tags that are the opposite perspective. So, you know, like those hashtags. So I put the opposite perspective, like, and I was like, is it? And then I would put another opposite perspective and say, really? Are you sure? And, you know, and so that's even provocative because it's like, they're like using that hashtag, like, this is my hashtag. And I'm like, well, let's just like ask a question. Like, is it really true? So I love that you're pointing this out because you know you revealed in your own fa- in your own story share about how religion the religion that you were trained in doesn't allow questions and you also revealed how the reticular activating system doesn't like questions or being provoked or having to think because that actually causes stress to the body and makes the body think that an idea could kill it yep It's an idea. So we've gotten to the place now in humanity where people think ideas can kill them. And because they think ideas can kill them, they can be manipulated left, right, and up and down by mass media all day long with fear, 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 fear that actually causes a stress response in the body, right? And when people are stressed in their bodies, that produces um, unhealthy immunity, right? Right.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the media, if you're watching the media or have been at all, I I don't actually, I don't watch the media. So I don't know what's going on right now. But, you know, for the last year and a half, if for anyone who's been watching the mainstream media, like, they have just stress hormones coursing through their veins. And so you know, maybe they were even in a really good place before COVID started, you know, like feeling stable, feeling healthy, like all of that. And now here we are a year and a half into this and it looks like things are potentially more lockdowns and new mandates and all of that, the vaccine, like you have all this stuff. And I think people are so tired. First of all, I think everyone is tired. I think that whole two weeks to flatten the curve that turned into a year and a half has really exhausted a lot of people. And so they're tired, which impairs your immune system.
0: (laughs) And it also Um, impairs your judgment, right? Because basically like I actually have a friend who's an RN, a lifetime RN, and she finally confessed in the the conversation that the reason why she really just wants everyone to take the vaccine is because she just wants to get life back to normal. And she doesn't want to have to think anymore about all this stuff because it's causing too much stress. And she doesn't (laughs) read any articles and she doesn't educate herself because she doesn't want to know. And I'm like, you know, that's really, (laughs) that's the problem that right there. And yeah. I understand being tired with it because I gotta say, I provoke these discussions because I'm guided to, and it's a lot to hold. It's a lot to hold and it is exhausting. Yeah, it's extremely exhausting.
1: And it's not easy because if we're, if we're talking about, let's talk about the vaccine for just a moment and I'm not anti-vax, I'm also not pro-vax. So I wanna be really clear so your listeners know that I'm not coming trying to promote any kind of an agenda either way. But if we just take the the, the vaccine question- what I'm seeing is being used as the reason for getting a vaccine is because it's for the collective good. You need to do this. It's for the collective. We need to do this to protect the immunocompromised or the disabled or, you know, old people or whatever. Like that's why you need to do it. Even if you're not in the risk group and even if you get COVID and you're not likely to die from it or experience complications, you should still get a vaccine because it's for the collective good. And I'm using air quotes there for the collective good. And I think that that is honestly a phrase that's used to manipulate people into doing something that may not align with who they are or with what their truth is or what their experience is or what's best for their body. Because if you say no, then it's implied that you're against the collective good and that you're selfish and that you don't care about people who are immune compromised or the elderly or the disabled. So again... To me, that goes back to the black and white thinking, right? The, the pro-vax, the anti-vax, that's very black and white. That's why I'm neither. I'm in the gray area of informed consent. Like that's where I land on all of this. But the it's for the collective good, all of that. It just it is very manipulative to me and is, like you were saying, your RN friend, she just wants things to go back to normal. And so normal, when we want normal, again, because we've been in this fight flight state for so long now, and everybody's tired. We just want that normal again. And so we're willing to take whatever is given to us as the answer for here's how you get normal back. You know, this is how you get normal back. And I don't know what I'm seeing. Like, I think the state of Minnesota, which is where I live, is at 70% vaccinated at this point, which a few months ago was their original goal was 70% vaccinated, because that is supposedly what is herd immunity. and now we've reached that point but people are still wearing masks everywhere. People are still asking you before you get invited somewhere have you been vaccinated or not. People are still, like so are have we really gone back to normal? No. Yeah, no and there we is haven't. no normal
0: because because <laughs> that line of thinking that that group think Demands 100% compliance with it. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly the problem here because it's not respectful of other perspectives that are going on in the collective. I've actually even seen people on my feed talk about a friend of mine actually who is allergic to the ingredients of vaccines. She actually will die if she has one. They've even said to her directly on the feed, well, that's just the cost we have to pay. Wow. You just have to take it. And if you die, well, that's just the cost we have to pay. Are we really those kind of people? Is that really where we've gotten to as humanity? See, I really think that's the bigger question. I think the bigger question that we're being asked by this planet is, well, I have a lot of questions I think the planet's asking us. But I think one of the questions the planet's asking us is, are we gonna start loving and honoring each other Mm. even though we have opposite perspectives? Because just take a moment, like look in your own family line. Do you have the pattern where you believe something, but your mom believes the opposite and then your kids believe the opposite of you? And so do you see how it leapfrogs? Like we always believe the opposite of each other. And I think there's actually a purpose to that. And I think the purpose to that is that we learn and grow from each other. We listen to each other, we watch each other, we learn from each other and it it creates a friction. It definitely creates a friction But conflict and friction is the pathway to diplomacy. If we can be with the uncomfortableness of the conflict and the dissonance it creates, we can get through that shadow of conflict and into diplomacy. Diplomacy leads to peace and true peace, not like peace because you just like, you know, did it because everybody guilted and shamed you into it, but because you actually are aligned with your choice. And maybe there's a solution that we all create together. Like, for example, like one solution is like, hey, people are worried about the hospital beds who have the COVID you know, vaccine. And they're like, well, you're just gonna take up all of our hospital beds and all this. And it's like, well, maybe not because there's another whole group of people who have researched preventative measures that they've healed like most, 98% of their people have healed through these preventative measures and nobody's had to go to the hospital. I know that your uncle is one of those people, right? Like where he's got preventative measures, people don't go in the hospital, they don't make stays in the hospital, they get this preventative measure, they heal and they're fine. And they don't take up hospital beds. So can't we support that as an initiative towards this, you know, this concern that there is no hospital beds, you know, or people are taking up too many hospital beds? Can we like then say, oh, well, great. Here's a solution for that. Let's do that so that we don't impact ER nurses or hospitals. Right. Mm -hmm. But instead, it's like it's dogmatic. It's like, no, the only solution is this vaccine. And that's where Mm -hmm. I start to get like this is like very, very stuck. It's very stuck and is entrenched. And anytime we're entrenched, we're in the shadows. So I just want to point that out. Like the shadow of our human consciousness is that reptilian brain, right? It's that Mm -hmm. like, that fear, that fight or flight you were talking about, that old ancient brain that knew that if you left the tribe, you were going to get dead in the woods by some tiger or something that reptilian brain gets triggered and it goes into fear and it goes into fight or flight. And everybody right now, like you said, if they don't know how to regulate their nervous systems, they're all in permanent fight or flight right now. And so of course they're exhausted. They don't have any more capacity to have a logical conversation because they haven't made it through their reptilian brain, through the limbic brain and all the emotional processing to get to the frontal cortex where higher reasoning lives. I want to say that. Higher reasoning lives in a neurological system in the frontal cortex. If you're not there, you're not having higher reasoning.
1: Yeah, I think people, you know, if they don't understand the way that trauma works on the brain, anything that your nervous system perceives, uh, and I love Resma Menachem's, phrasing for this, anything that your nervous system perceives as too much, too fast, too soon has the potential to be traumatic. And trauma is not the event itself. So trauma was not the sexual abuse. It wasn't your parents' divorce. It wasn't the car accident. It wasn't the loss of your child. That was not the trauma. Trauma is the energy that is stored in the body that lingers because whatever it was you experienced was too much, too fast, too soon. So you know covid has been too much too fast too soon for a lot of people's nervous systems and when the body is in that too much too fast too soon state the brain the frontal cortex the logical analytical brain where we make sound decisions from go it goes completely offline like we do not have access to the logical analytical prefrontal cortex part of our brain so in the moment when you're running or when you're trying to figure out, am I gonna run from this tiger? Am I gonna fight from it? Like you need that part of your brain to be offline because you're not sitting there trying to write a dissertation about what you're gonna do about this tiger. You have to be able to make a split second decision and that's made in the reptilian brain. That's the survival part of our brain. It only knows how to decide, okay, life or death. Like what do I gotta do to keep keep my organism alive, right? But because that's the state we have to be in, to figure out if we're going to fight or flee from these threats, the prefrontal cortex is totally offline. So in a moment, that's fine. That's totally fine because that's what your body had to do to keep you alive. But for a year and a half, everyone being in this fight or flight state, everyone's prefrontal cortex being offline, them not having access to it, that literally means every decision you're making is being made from a place of fear and survival. And I'm not saying that to I'm not trying to get down on people. You know, I'm not trying to condemn people and be like, oh, you're just living in fear or whatever. It's not that at all. Like my heart hurts for people who are living like that because I remember when I was living like that. I remember, I mean, for years, my prefrontal cortex was offline (laughs) because I, I was in such a state of trauma energy, you know, of that fight, flight, freeze, fawn state. And so I did make a lot of really bad decisions and irrational decisions and said irrational things because I I wasn't actually in the brain space to be able to rationalize and and weigh the pros and the cons and think for myself and ask questions and all of that. And so I really feel for people who have been in that state. But at the same time, I think it's important for people to acknowledge, oh, okay, I've been in this state, like maybe this very rigid, constricted feeling that I have about masks or vaccines or whatever, maybe that's not actually coming from the rational, logical part of my brain. But again, it's so complex. There's so much nuance here because not only are we ha- has, and I don't think that I have been living in a stress state for all of COVID. Like I I feel pretty unaffected in a lot of ways by COVID. And I realize that's a privileged thing to say, but that's also my truth. So I feel pretty, you know, pretty unaffected by COVID. I don't feel like I've been an offline from my prefrontal cortex for the last year and a half. But um, I think because there are people like me and like you carrie who we are still thinking we are still able to rationalize and and use our brains and think and ask questions then we have the media and the government and all of that who is further driving home the the fear-based narrative and it's because they know they know when we're living in fear we're not making rational decisions and thinking for ourselves they know that And I mean, anyone who knows anything about basic biology should know that. This isn't a conspiracy theory, it just is. So of course, if you're trying to push a narrative, if you're trying to get control of a people, if you can keep their rational brains offline and keep them out of their prefrontal cortex for long enough, not only are they exhausted and their immune systems aren't working the right way, but they're also willing to do whatever you tell them to do because they just wanna be out of that state. You know, because that state is such a hard place to be in. It's a miserable place to be in. And people will do, I mean, I was willing to kill myself to get out of that state. So people are willing to do irrational things because they just want to be out of that fear state.
0: Yeah. And so there's other solutions for getting out of that fear state that you and I have both had to learn. Like, for example, hand over heart, hand over belly three mm-hmm. deep breaths, you know, into your mm-hmm. belly, like not chest breathing. Cause that's like anxiety breathing, but like, yeah, deep breaths in your belly, like yeah. three of them, like rebalancing your nervous system and, you know, and realizing that the food you eat also is contributing to your body's sense of fear. Like if your body is being sieged by unhealthy food, it's going to go into a fear state. You know, it's like, I'm not getting nutrients you know, also,
1: I mean, also, if your body is in a fear state, if it's in that fight flight state with that, like, uh, energy, like, caffeine is like the worst thing that you can do I for know. That People that are drinking so much gonna, coffee, it's just gonna make you feel worse. And on the flip side of that alcohol is also a really bad thing to put in your body in that state. And oh my gosh, can we just like acknowledge that basically like mom culture for the first six months of COVID was basically about like, how much wine can I get away with drinking while my children are home?
0: Yeah, i mean, like, that was honest. the culture. That first thing that opened up in Texas was the alcohol stores, okay? Like literally almost like right alongside the groceries was yeah. the, and the line in the alcohol store was amazing. So like, yeah. And hey, I'm not judging it because I also did that. I just know better now. I know- yeah how to bring myself into a healthy state, a balanced state, a loving state, so I can be present and have yeah. capacity to deal with the stress that's clearly in the space, you know? And also, I want to say, I really appreciated what you said about, you know, that you haven't had any kind of really significant bad thing happen during COVID. This whole last year, I've had a lot of relaxation, I've had a lot of time at home, I've got a lot of done, you know, I've, I've spent time with my family, I'm, I've, you know, yeah. I've actually been... I've actually, I went to Mexico twice and Peru twice, okay? Like, so I traveled, I've actually had a great, you know, 2020 into 2021. And I also realized that's super privileged, right? Because I have a really healthy immune system. I was really lucky to be able to go to the Four Winds Life Body School, learn about energy medicine, learn about protocols to heal the mitochondria that make my cells happy and healthy, learn about my gut biome, learn about healthy diet, avoiding sugar, gluten, things like that. Like I talked about at the beginning, I'm really fortunate. I was able to have the money to invest in that training and to live that life. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I'm super grounded. Like I just don't have the same freak outs I used to have Mm -hmm. me going through this time right now if I was a person I was 10 years ago I would have already crashed my car into a pole or something like (laughs) Like, I just want to say like I understand I totally get it yeah and there are things you can do to take care of yourself and Lindsay's got a whole lot of solutions like that so I want to I want to conclude this because this has been a great conversation I just want to honor your time oh I'm fine I'm good I mean it's like this is really awesome
1: Oh so what,
0: good, I'm glad. <laughs> I I mean, like, so for anybody, like if you've had this same pressure, like if you've experienced this same pressure with religion, for example, I do want to say one more thing about that. Cause that that thing really came up for me strong when you were talking about that. You know, if anybody's ever had the Jehovah's Witness come to your door and knock on the door to tell you like that you should be doing like cause otherwise you're gonna go straight to hell. The vaccine yeah. conversation is the same. That's yeah. the same thing. It's exactly yeah. the same thing. There's no difference between somebody telling you that you need to put that thing in your body even if you disagree with it and somebody saying you need to like believe in Jehovah Witness because you're obviously going to hell if you don't. Like that's, yeah, right? It's the same thing. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, I as someone who grew up in this religion and also spent about 10 years of my life like really hardcore pushing what I now call toxic wellness culture, both of which I see really huge indicators of, ideologies that would be considered like cult-like. So there are five characteristics of cults or cult-like ideologies or dogmas. So maybe whenever you're thinking about COVID, the narrative or the vaccine or or whatever it is, whatever ideology you're sort of sitting with and like you're feeling out for yourself and feeling if it's if it feels right for you, if it aligns with you, is the ideology trying to isolate you from other people in some way? So I would say with the vaccine thing, that's absolutely happening. Like, you know, in New York City, if you don't have a vaccine, you can't go to restaurants or gyms or theaters, you know, and it's, it's gonna spread to other places. So is it isolating you? Is it discouraging you from asking questions and thinking critically? I mean, I would say throughout all of COVID, like it's pretty much been discouraged to ask questions and think critically. And if you do, you're a conspiracy theorist. You know, is it trying to uh, control what you do with your time or your money? So far, I think that has happened with COVID some. One thing that I will say about my perspective on the vaccine compared to places that have universal healthcare like Canada is that the state of Minnesota wants to pay me $100 to go get a COVID vaccine. But what is the state of Minnesota going to pay if I have a reaction to that vaccine. Like what what is the long-term financial support that I'm going to receive? So I I do think that there is some weirdness about money going on there as well. So
0: well, and the truth else? is that is that there's actually um the government has given all the vaccine companies zero liability.
1: Yes. For any happened, damages. Yeah. And I want people to know you can you can look for this for yourself if you don't believe me. It was actually February 4th. 2020 that the government granted legal indemnity to pharmaceutical companies for any measures that they developed to fight, treat, or cure COVID-19. That includes vaccines. So before the pandemic was even declared, the pharmaceutical companies were granted complete immunity legally for any consequences that a vaccine might have. And that happened before the pandemic was declared.
0: And I want to add on to that, that there, that a lot of people are saying, well, there's no bad effects from the vaccine because they haven't known that there actually is. There's a database maintained by CDC called VAERS, V-A-E-R-S. Mm-hmm. That website, VAERS website has all the, rep- like not even reported. There's actually three different scientific studies that have shown that it only, they, they think it only is 1% of the actual damage. Yeah. Yeah. that's being reported on that website. But that, so you can look at that website and see that there's four over 4,000 cases of death from the vaccine at this point. Mm-hmm. And that is commensurate with all the deaths from all vaccines ever created up until now. So I would say that again, all the vaccines that have ever been created up until now for the last since vaccines started being used is about 4,000 something. And now we are now at that number and surpassing that number in the deaths in four months for this vaccine, for this series Mm -hmm.
1: of vaccines. Mm -hmm. That's significant. That's really significant. Yeah. So, um, so they try to isolate, cults try to isolate people. They discourage you from thinking critically and asking questions. They try to have control over your time and money. They also try to control behavior. So I think that that one's pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. And they seek to control our thoughts. And so that I think that that also is very self-explanatory. Like you're not even allowed to have a thought about like, well, maybe COVID isn't as bad as I think it is. Or maybe, maybe I don't want this vaccine. Like you're not even allowed to have that thought because if you were to vocalize it in any way, you're going to be slammed. So those are the five like characteristics of cult-like ideologies. And that's really what I'm teaching in my course, Belief Beyond the Binary. But it's less about how to identify cults. Or binary belief systems is what I call them now because I think when we say the word cult, people tend to associate that with religion. And I want to, like, separate the association of cult from it being only religion and just acknowledge that, like, any ideology has the potential to be a binary belief system. So, I mean, it can be religion, healthcare, politics, activism, like you know, homeschooling, like literally any ideology has the potential to be a binary belief system. And so like what I teach in my course is not just how to identify them, which is what these five characteristics are, but also like, you know, what is being stored in your body as a result of that? Like, how is that informing the decisions and the patterns that are playing out in your life right now? And we we go all into like setting boundaries with people who are still in binary belief systems who aren't ready to come out themselves. And the whole goal of my course is bringing people back to a place of self trust, self guidance, trusting themselves to think critically and ask questions, and then ultimately, like trusting themselves to take radical responsibility for themselves, even if that means that the responsibility they're taking for themselves is really frowned upon or discouraged. You know, that ultimately it is made from a place of groundedness and their integrity and their authenticity. And that's what self-responsibility is. And self-responsibility is the gateway to healing Anything. (laughs) If you're not willing to take that responsibility for yourself, if you're still living in victim consciousness, if you're still waiting for an apology from your parents or your ex spouse or whoever you're waiting for an apology from, like you're going to be waiting a really long time and you're still outsourcing your healing and your power to those people because it's contingent on what they're doing when really self responsibility means my healing isn't contingent on anything or anyone but myself.
0: I really love that you said that. My healing isn't contingent on anyone. Or anything but myself, and you're right. Until you're ready to really take personal responsibility for your life, I proved you can go to th- psychotherapy for 20 years and think you're helping yourself, <laughs> and right. you're really just not taking responsibility for your life. Yeah. And, and, and you have to actually choose that. You have to deeply yeah. choose that you're re- you're really ready. Like my choice was like, well, if I'm ready to leave the planet by killing myself, then I guess I could actually just change. You know that would be like the next solution. I could actually just
1: work on myself and yeah. But wasn't transform. it a hard? Wasn't it a harder thing to do? It would have been it easy to kill hard. yourself.
0: Yeah, no, because you get out of it, right? Like, oh, well, yeah. I'm out of here. But see, it's not actually because I've had another lifetime where I did that, and it comes back to haunt you. It does. Like, you you actually don't get away with anything. <laughs> you yeah. have to face it. That's the only way. And I know that that's the precious moment that everybody's in right now. And. You know, and so as healers as people like in my audience, a lot of people in my audience are, you know, really consider themselves to be on this journey, somewhere along the path of this, starting to wake up to this or very woke, you know, somewhere along that spectrum. And they feel like they want to help other people, right? And I really feel like the best way we can help other people is by seeing them capable of making their self-responsibility choices rather than enabling them by agreeing with them, mm-hmm. especially if it's not true for us. So, what do you say about that?
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like um, I mentioned earlier that I have had some control issues and the root of my control issues are, are that I was raised in this very chaotic environment growing up. And so my ego, my pain body thinks that it has to maintain control over my environment and the people in it in order to feel safe, which, you know, that's not serving me. It's, you know, it's actually damaging. It's not good for my relationships. It's not good for me personally, and it's just not working, but that requires me being able to take responsibility for my actions, for my belief, the limiting belief that I need to have control over things, and then go through the uncomfortable process of letting myself be in situations where I don't have control and learning how to be okay in that situation. And when you think you have to control everything and everybody, you're basically saying, I don't believe that you can take care of yourself. So I have to take care of you for you. I don't believe that you can make the right decision. So I have to influence that decision for you somehow. So, really, like at the root of control is fear. And I mean, everything leads back to fear, like spoiler alert, right? So the root of control is, is fear. And there's so much freedom when you can release that control and be like, you know what? I only have control over myself. I can only make decisions for myself. And I trust, I have to trust that they are doing what they think is best for them too. I may not understand it. I may not agree with it but it doesn't matter because it's not, it's not me. I am only just taking care of myself and I'm trusting them to take care of themselves. And I'm still working on that. Like I'm very much still working on that. And to be honest, it's easier for me to let go of control with people who I don't have that close relationship with, you know, so it's like, kind of like when you first start setting boundaries, sometimes it's easier to set boundaries with people you don't know very well or people that are acquaintances. And then you kind of work your way into setting boundaries with people you're closer to, like your parents and your spouse and your grown children or whatever. So I see it the same way with like releasing control. Sometimes it's easier to release control over what people in the collective are doing and just be like, well, okay, I mean, that's their thing, whatever. And then you kind of work your way in. So I released control of what the collective is doing a long time ago. Right now, I've worked my way into my inner circle and I'm like trying to release control over you know, my husband and my kids. So, and it was the same way with boundaries. It was way easier for me to set boundaries in the beginning with people who were just acquaintances or casual friends, or I just knew them professionally or whatever, than it was to set boundaries with my best friend and my children, you know? So I think we can work our way in, but let's not stop working our way in, like continually releasing, continually letting go, like surrendering always, That really is an act of radical self-responsibility as well, because that is saying, like, I am free and so are you. And what my freedom, what my choice looks like might be different from yours, but I still trust that you're able to do this. I trust that you're able to make your own decisions. I trust that you're able to think critically. And even if you're not, it's not actually my problem because I only have responsibility over myself.
0: There you go. That's exactly right. And that's why I think many people like me are advocating to just, you know, let everybody make their own choice. Yeah, and, live and
1: let live, right? You know,
0: I mean, that's what this nation's all about. And we're all about letting people make their own choices and yeah. have their free will. And if we take that away, we're the last place where that lives on this planet. That would be a yep. sad day to me. So. Yep. That's why I have these conversations. That's why I dig in. And that's why I bring experts like, like Lindsay on walk the walk, you know, girl, you walk the walk. I really, I so resonate with many of the things you said, like same messages I've gotten for myself. And it's not easy. Okay. This work is hard. It's hard to face the fear. I'm sure, you know, I didn't have to break out of dogma. My mom did. I didn't have to break out of that but I'm sure it's hard to break out of it. I am quite certain that that's difficult to break free of that programming and the fear of going to hell and all of that it generates. It's terrifying. Yeah, it is. It's like, I'm sure it's terrifying to break free of, you know, this idea that you, that your doctor doesn't necessarily know the right answer. Like, that's terrifying. What?
1: I mean, I you know but what I will say about that is like, let's take the vaccine conversation off the table for a minute. Let's just talk about like informed consent in general, Right. So when I was pregnant with my son, I started having contractions at 33 weeks. We went to the hospital. They checked me. I wasn't dilating at all, but I was hooked up to the c- contraction monitor and the baby heart rate monitor. And I mean, I was having regular contractions every five minutes. They weren't painful. I mean, maybe they were racks and hicks. I don't know. But... They gave me a couple of medications to try to get the contractions to stop and the contractions weren't stopping. So they decided to admit me to the hospital. They injected me with a steroid so that his lungs would develop faster. They did a sonogram where they measured him and they took all these different measurements of him so that they could try to guess his weight. They determined that he was probably over five pounds, which is the weight that a preemie has to be before it's allowed to leave the hospital. So my son was already there and he was at 33 weeks instead of 40. And I was still having contractions. And so they decided to put me on a magnesium sulfate drip, um, so IV. Uh, And so I was confined to bed rest. Um, I was not allowed to get up except to go to the bathroom. I wasn't allowed to take a shower. I wasn't allowed to leave my room. I wasn't allowed to walk around, like very, very restricted. And so I started this magnesium drip. It was never explained to me beforehand, like, here's what some symptoms or some side effects of this might be. Here are the potential long-term complications that having you on this might cause. Do you consent? Do you still want it? You know, that was never explained to me. It was just like, we have to do whatever it takes to keep this baby inside of you. Here is this thing that we're going to do. And they didn't even really give me time to ask questions or object, you know, they made it seem very urgent. And I've since talked to a lot of people, some of whom have actually left the medical industry because of this, whereas there is this false sense of urgency put on people to try to make a, dis- like a decision in the moment. So again, you're putting people in that reptilian brain state and expecting them to make a logical analytical decision. But anyway, that aside, so I ended up being on this magnesium sulfate drip for two weeks I was in the hospital on bed rest, two weeks. Every day at like six, seven in the evening, I would get really sick, nauseous, throwing up. My heart would do weird things and they would send a lab tech in to take my blood. After like four days of this, my husband and I were like, why is it that every day I get sick, you send a lab tech in to take my blood? And finally, my doctor is like, oh, because magnesium sulfate has the potential to cause long-term cardiovascular and pulmonary problems. And so we have to monitor your blood levels of magnesium very closely so that we can take you off of it before you start having these cardiovascular and pulmonary problems. Was that explained to me before I was put on this trip? No. <laughs> so I was not given the ability to make an informed choice. Still, I was only 20 years old. I was still very deeply religious at this point, which meant I was also like very submitted to authority. And so I perceived doctors and nurses with stethoscopes and white coats as authority figures. They know more than me, you don't question it. So I continued to stay on the magnesium. It was very uncomfortable after two weeks, my doctor came in and said, okay, we have to take you off the magnesium sulfate drip now. Your levels are coming back. You're becoming toxic with magnesium. At this point, it's better for you to deliver your baby early than it is for you to continue staying on this, this drip. So now the narrative had changed. At first, it was like, we got to do whatever it takes to keep this baby in you. And now after two weeks, it's like, oh, wait a second. It's actually better for the baby to come than it is for you to stay on this drip and keep the baby inside of you. Anyway, I got off the magnesium drip the whole time. I had, I had contractions the entire two and a half weeks. I was in the hospital for 17 days total. I had contractions every five minutes, every day that I was there. They never stopped. But I wasn't ever in true labor because my cervix didn't dilate even a centimeter. Like not at all. So it wasn't actually as emergent of a situation as they made it out to be. Like my water wasn't breaking. My cervix wasn't dilating. You're not in true active labor unless your cervix is dilating, spoiler alert. So um, anyway, that's one example of how it's explained to people in a way that makes it feel more urgent than it is. You're not given the ability to ask questions because now, because of this urgency, they've put you into your reptile brain and they've activated your nervous system. So you're not in your logical, analytical prefrontal cortex anymore, but you're still expected to be able to make a decision. Um, You're discouraged from asking questions. And the way that it's sold to you is it's for the good of your baby right? You got to do whatever it takes to keep your baby alive. And of course, I was 20 years old. I'd never been pregnant before in my life. So yeah, I was going to do whatever they told me because I perceive them as authority figures. And I listened to authority, right? Because I was, I was raised to listen to authority and do what I was told because that's what good girls do. So, but now with this whole COVID thing happening and the vaccine thing happening, I see the same thing. People are being, it's like, it's being presented like it's an emergency. And then we're expecting people to be able to make rational, logical decisions, even though they have purposefully been put in this like fight or flight state in their reptilian brain. We're not explaining to people the full risks, side effects, complications. Like we're not explaining that to people. And and
0: actually by contract, Pfizer doesn't have to release any of the data of the side effects until after the drug is approved.
1: Yeah. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. That's kind of scary to me. And... We're manipulating people by being like, it's for the collective good. It's for the good of your baby. It's for the collective good. So if as a mother, because, oh, don't even, we could do a whole podcast episode, carry on shame uh, for mothers, like mother shaming shaming mothers. Yeah. But, but you know, you're not in the hospital, like in preterm labor and they give you this option to quote unquote, save your baby. You don't say no. Why don't you say no? Even if it didn't sit right with me, you can't say no. Why? Because you're going to be shamed. Well yeah, why, because why why we aren't you willing to do whatever it takes? You know, we, like because
0: we're not encouraged. I know it's 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 definitely it's very activating. It because is. we haven't we have been encouraged to be quiet and compliant up until now. And that yes. has been Okay, so folks, that's the definition of patriarchy. That's mm-hmm. what that means. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. Patriarchy. Mm-hmm. We are switching now into sovereignty, okay? So that's the age of Aquarius I keep talking to you guys about Sovereignty. Sovereignty requires you to make your personal choice no matter what anyone else thinks or does. And even when making your choice, you have to know that there's a unique thumbprint journey. Every person, that's why that's in the book, unique thumbprint journey. Every person has to follow their own inner guidance. That's the truth for you. It's not the truth for me. It's not the truth for Lindsay. It's your truth. You know, whatever your truth is, your truth. And maybe we align in some places and that's awesome. And it's nice, you know, when we align, but we can't be looking for the alignment with others. We have to find it within. And that's what sovereignty means. Right. And sovereignty doesn't mean you're selfish and you're turning your back on people. That's not what that means. It actually means something far significant. It, to me, it means that you're aware that you actually are not in control Mm -hmm. of the grand design. It yeah. actually means that you know that you actually can't stop people's consequences for them. That right. actually you don't have that power. No. You only have power over your own journey. That's truly what sovereignty means.
1: And it means having compassion that I can't help you. Right? I want to help you. <laughs> yeah, but I can't. And, and, for, and for me, sovereignty means like, I'm grounded enough in myself to make my own choices. And if there are consequences for my choices, I'm going to be the one responsible for my consequences. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Like so, it works both ways. It's not just oh, I'm sovereign and like I'm, you know, not going to vaccinate and I'm not going to wear a mask and all of this and like I don't care what happens to anybody else. That's not what sovereignty is at all, no. not at all. It means like okay, I have all the information that I need. I'm making a decision. I'm trusting I'm that decision my choices. Is, I'm trusting that it's right for me. And if something happens, I'm the one who has to take responsibility for that. You know, and and yes, the collective is you know that's. I don't have the answer for what do we value more individual freedom or collective good like i don't have the answer for that to be honest my work focuses on healing the individual in order to heal the collective so when i'm doing my work and you're doing your work and everyone listening is doing their work the only work we can do is individual there is no there is no collective work like there's not
0: and it's, I can't make somebody eat healthy either. Like I can't, no. I can't make people pay attention to their microbiome or realize I, you know, that Roundup is in their food. Like I, right. I actually, I can't do any of that. I can only know right. that for myself and do my own inner healing and, and focus yeah. on me. That's all I can do. I can be an example. And if somebody like gets curious, like, Hey, how'd you lose 20 pounds in like, you know, a month? Well, yeah. I could probably answer that question by explaining about what keto means, you know? Yeah. But I uh, You know, until somebody asks me, it's not really my business to tell them. Right.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Do you know your human design type, Carrie? I'm a manifester. I make invitations. I invite people all day long to come have conversations. Okay, so I'm a projector. <laughs> so so a my team. strategy is you can invite me because I'm waiting for an invitation, right? I'm like, somebody please ask me for my expertise because I have a lot of it, but I can't just start giving it out because you're not gonna receive it. And see, so, I see how I invited everybody to come yeah. listen
0: and then I invited you to come talk. And now we had this great conversation. I know. I really and I'm hope totally it's been I'm totally
1: in my element here. Like I could talk about this all day because I've been invited to talk about it. So it's like, ooh, you know. Just gets me really excited. Yeah, I mentioned earlier in the episode I am not pro vax. I am not anti vax. People hear you say that you question the safety of something or the efficacy of something. And they automatically try again to go to that binary. binary. Oh, you're an, you're an anti-vaxxer. You're one of those crazy QAnon. Oh yeah, you know, I've been accused conspiracy. of being a cultist now at this point. Like I've had people
0: on my feed like saying I'm a cult. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm only telling you do what's right for you. But okay, because that's, yeah. not, that's not in the definition of cult. Yeah. I'm actually telling yeah. you follow your own guidance.
1: No, <laughs> so no, never. no, no, no. A, bina- a binary rational. belief system will never tell you to follow your own inner compass. No. The binary belief system will always tell you what to believe, how to act, how to think and who to be around and how to spend your money and how to spend your time. Like that's what a binary belief system will do. We're over here. Like, look, I don't care what you do. I really really don't. don't. I want you to make the best decision for you. And if you are given all of the information and, and the pros and the cons, and you weigh all of that within yourself and you sit with it, you're not being forced to make a decision right now, you know, but like, Hey, let me go home and think about it. Let me go home and sleep on it. You know, let me like, let me talk to some people that I trust in my life and like weigh this decision because it's a big fucking decision. It's a big fucking decision. It is a big decision. To put something in your body that's experimental. It's still in clinical trials. Like you're the guinea pigs, babes. Yes, you are the guinea pigs. It's a big freaking decision. Don't take it lightly and don't let people twist your arm by using that manipulative language of, oh, it's for the collective good. Like maybe it is, maybe it is for the collective good. Is the collective going to pay my medical bills if something goes wrong at this point in the United States of America? That's a big fat no. Maybe if I'm in Canada, my decision might be completely different because I wouldn't have to think about that. You know, like if I had a complication from the vaccine, I could receive free health care. I'd be taken care of for the rest of my life. But that's not how it is in the United States. And we have that has to be part of our decision-making process. But nobody's allowing it to be part of the decision-making process. You're either a pro-vaxxer or you're you're either doing what's your duty for the collective good. Yeah, you're or, doing
0: your duty and being a good citizen.
1: Or, or you're, you're being like, a rebel and
0: you're lying and you're, you're lying to us. Right. And-
1: Right, you're causing you're a like, fear. <laughs> yep, you're in the like freaking anti-vaxer, QAnon, oh, or whatever it
0: is. You know, you know, <laughs> Lindsay. Like all these conversations, I know that I'm, a, I am a doorway. That as you walk up to this doorway, there's a lot of fear. That's true, mm-hmm. because I know myself. I'm a doorway to a divine reality. That's who I am. That's who you are. That's who anybody who's crossed over, anybody who's actually taken that journey and found their inner truth and live by your inner compass and are aligned in that way you become a doorway for other people. And that's why sometimes people start to react in fear around you because it's scary to take that leap. It's scary to like make your own decisions. It's scary to like know that you don't have an easy, like easy button to push, you know, and make a decision. And it's really scary to know that you actually have to educate yourself. Like you have to read all those scientific papers. You have to watch all those like hours and hours and hours of testimony. You have to like read the book or listen to the audio. You have to do all that if you want to be educated. And yeah, like there's no like, little like meme that's going to solve that for you. Like you actually have to use your brain. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it takes energy. So you got to feed your body some good food and some good water and some good rest and some good meditation so you can handle it.
1: Yeah. Otherwise you have no
0: capacity to handle this conversation.
1: Right. And in my work, like, you know, coming back to the self, coming back to the body, coming back to the breath, like learning to regulate your nervous system, that will serve you in more than just, you know, living a life free from anxiety or depression or whatever it is that you're struggling with. Like, yes, those things will serve you in helping you to overcome that, but it serves you in every way possible. Like, yes, in every way every possible, way. including your back.
0: relationships, especially. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Your nervous system is a resource in your relationships. Like, it takes nervous system energy. To be in a relationship and you don't even realize how much until you realize how much. And then you're like, shit, it takes a lot of nervousness. Wow, energy. I was really out of whack
0: before. No wonder my relationships are struggling.
1: I mean, honestly, so, yeah, yeah, that yeah. is how it is.
0: And that's why I've been and, asking people about their relationships. Like, how, do, how is this? What happens in your relationships? Is this is what you do in your relationships. And that's not, you know, and I, I do provoke situations because I want people to see, like, my whole goal is people to wake up because it's actually better on the other side. Like, it's so much it better really when you're is. regulated
1: it really is i tell you what like i thought i had everything figured out whenever i was i was a certified health coach you know telling people to to restrict all their diet and i was very much into like toxic wellness culture i was also very religious and so i had it all figured out that way like i knew the bible backwards and forwards i knew how to evangelize to people like i gave my money to the church i was a pastor's wife like i i was homeschooling my children to keep them out of the sacrilegious public schools like I was and I really thought I had it all figured out. And what I know now on the other side of that, like having taken responsibility for myself and deconstructed from religion and unpacked my trauma and excavated and learning how to regulate my nervous system. I was so enslaved then, but I had this like egoic belief that I had it all figured out and I was doing the right thing, air quotes. And now that I'm on the outside of that, I'm like, whoa, wow, it's amazing what, what my ego was able to convince me of. It's exactly. amazing that it was able to convince me that I had it all figured out. Like and I That's knew- why
0: you gotta take the journey to the frontal cortex. It's the only way, people. Like if you really want to know the truth, you gotta make it to the frontal frontal cortex.
1: And also the journey to the heart. And the heart. Like, yeah. There's a connection between, you know, it's the longest the longest 12 inches there is from the brain to the heart, right? <laughs> yeah. Because like, any, any of the decisions that we're making, if they're not coming from a place of heart activation of like pure love, pure compassion, pure consciousness, I don't know. I don't know Absolutely. if it really is the right decision. Exactly.
0: You got to make the decision from love, no matter what it is. And I honor, I honor your decision. I honor everybody here in this conversation. I'm really glad for everybody who stayed with us this whole time. Thank you so much yeah. for being willing to get through the cognitive dissonance and to be Ooh. provoked and to listen and to and to open up and to hear another perspective, because that's the only way we're going to come to diplomacy mm-hmm. is when we can listen to each other. And so I really value your, your time and your consideration, and your willingness to be here and I, I welcome you to check out Lindsay's um, Lindsay Lockett and her, her podcast and also her Trauma Healer Circle. She has an online community of empowered women that cheer each other on as they become the heroes of their own stories. And I so resonate with that. Yes, yes, and yes. I just welcome you guys to check out also the holistic trauma healing podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes, and I think my episode is out or is coming anyway. So we'll we'll put a link if we can to that. And uh, and I just welcome you all to to like and you know share and be brave. Share this out. Be brave. You know why not stir the pot. Yeah. Send it out there. We'll take all the heat. We can handle it. Yeah.
1: Send and it I, have out. Some, I have some posts on my Instagram feed about personal sovereignty, authenticity, integrity, and also medical freedom. So if anyone wants to check out my Instagram, it's at I am Lindsay Lockett. And um, I have some posts in my feed about that if you're interested, um, if you want to share those or whatever. And and also my podcast too, like I haven't talked specifically about medical freedom, but I do have an episode. Um, it's episode 51 where I share my core values. And one of them is medical freedom. And I explain why in that post and or in that episode, that episode is called No One is Disposable. So...
0: No one is disposable. I love that. Listen to that. All right. Well, thank you everybody for being here. Thank you, Lindsay, for sharing your wisdom. I appreciate your projector self. I love projectors. (laughs) And um, yeah, and we'll see you guys um, next week on Soul Nectar Show. Here's a kiss. Let's give kisses. We're going to give a kiss on the way out.
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) Love you all. We'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. Bye. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, Will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show.
1: So show, the Soul Awaken so so Take a song so from, from the drift Of the letter From the source
0: of Who you are.